You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey again, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Gun on One. You know, it wasn't supposed to be this way. We are supposed to be in the midst of a Super Bowl championship celebration here in the Philadelphia area. But as luck or unluck would have it, we're still trying to grasp the fact that the Eagles were 30 minutes away from capturing the Vince Lombardi trophy, and all of a sudden, it disappeared. Well, we're going to talk our way through what happened and what's to come, because the Eagles have all kinds of changes going on even as we speak. That and more coming up on this edition of Gun on One. Sal Palantonio from ESPN. I'm Brandon Graham. Elaine Johnson here. This is the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. This is Donovan McNabb. This is Chris Long. This is Mark Sumoff, the TV voice of the 76ers on NBC Sports Philadelphia. This is Eagles Hall of Fame quarterback Ron Jaworski. Hello, I'm Jay Wright, head coach of Villanova Basketball. Hey, I'm Brian Westbrook, and you're listening to the Gun On One podcast. And what's happening? This is your blessed boy, Brian Dawkins, Hall of Famer, and you're locked in to Gun On One. We're locked in to the Gun On One. Gun On One. Gun On One. You are locked on to Gun On One. I've been on the air for 25 years, but I could not wait to be on Gun On One with my man, Derek Gump. ESPN bracketologist Joe Lenardi telling you to stay locked on to Gun On One. It is a number one seed. All right, we are back on this edition of Gun On One. It is powered by the Jacob Sports Media YouTube machine. And joining me right now is a man that I have a lot of respect for. I am proud to call him my friend. He is former Eagle great, former Eagle Hall of Famer, and a Super Bowl champion. Man, I lose breath just giving you all these accolades. He is the one and only Seth Joyner. More importantly, I got to sit next to this man every Sunday to talk Eagles football. How you doing, my friend? Man, I'm doing good, man. We ain't going to be friends much longer if I don't get some barbecue, man. Oh, come on. You know what? I, I just had a couple of ribs uh, about 10 minutes ago, oh, and I held one up, and I said, this is for the brothers who can't be here, and you were included in that. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, I promise you, this is the year you get D-Gun ribs. All right. But see, also, right. I know this is the time of year well, I have to track you on, on Twitter because you're here golfing. You're overseas somewhere. I don't know where you are half the time. I can't keep up with you, man. I live my life vicariously through you. Dude, that's where it's supposed to be, man. You know you know the grind, man. The football season is a grind. I mean, and this year, man, with everything that I had going on, we had to be in post game, you know, down in Atlantic City. Yes. Um, I had six ABC on game nights. Um, at 11.30 to 12 o'clock at night. Then I had, you know, um, uh, WIP in the morning yes. with uh, with Angelo every morning at 9. And then I had to take my show um, on Tuesday. So, I mean, I'm running on fumes right now, man. I need I need the three S's right now. Okay? I need sunshine, <laughs> I need sand, and I need salt water in my life. <laughs> and, and I would bet everything I have 
that all three will be coming your way very soon. Really soon. I mean, <laughs> within the next week and a half, I can promise you. Hey, man, well, you heard me say at the top of this podcast, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Right. Everybody across the nation bet on the Eagles to win this Super Bowl. They had the most complete roster. Uh, they were rolling people offensively and defensively. This was a Kansas City team that was playing a bunch of young kids across the board. But the X factor was that one dude named Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, man, we, you saw it as well as I did. We just sat there with our mouths hanging open as this that Eagles lead slowly started to dissipate. So the first thing I have to ask you is, Seth, how in the world did the Eagles go from being in control to losing control in a matter of 30 minutes? Well, I mean, I think you have to look at it's the tale of two halves. Um, the Eagles did offensively whatever they wanted to pretty much in the first half, which really minimized the amount of possessions, um, you know, the Kansas City had in the first half. And you could tell, I mean, a lot of people were upset with the fact that, you know, the Eagles offense kept allowing the play clock to get down to four or five seconds, and it kind of bit them twice um, in the second half. They actually had to burn – you know, a critical timeout mm -hmm. um, that probably cost them as well. Um, but in in Andy Reid fashion, you know, they went in at halftime and made adjustments um, that the Philadelphia Eagles could not adjust to themselves on the fly. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly believe I've always said that the NFL is an adjustment league. Um, and when you have someone as in, as creative, as intuitive, um, you know, as Andy Reid is and all the good coaches he has around him that gives him and feeds him great ideas. Um, you know, you go into a game like this, you almost have to have two game plans. And, you know, the Eagles just weren't able to, you know, adjust to, um, you know, the second half. I, You know, in the pregame, I talked about, you know, they need to hold the Kansas City Chiefs under double-digit possessions. They did that. Um, you think if you hold uh, Patrick Mahomes to, um, you know, 80-something or 90-something yards passing in the first half, 120-something um, yards total offense, mm -hmm. you know, you got a chance to win the football game. Uh, but when you throw in the fumble that was, that was returned for a touchdown, um, you throw in, you know, the 65-yard um, punt return, mm -hmm. um, you know, all of these little small things, um, you know, kind of contrived or, you know, were, were, were lumped together, you know, to cause this, 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 I don't even know if you call it a collapse in the second half, but, you know, um, it just, you know, to your point and to your opening, it wasn't supposed to be this way, especially mm -hmm. going into halftime, you know, with a, with a 24 to 14, you know, lead. Mm. I think one of the more pivotal decisions in this game occurred in the third quarter Eagles, are up. It's a fourth and six. Now, Nick Sirianni had converted 73% of his fourth down chances. And in this case, he decides to go for three instead of trying to pick up that first down. AJ Brown said afterwards, when that decision was made, he felt there was a probability they could lose this game. Did you also see it that way? And also, were you surprised that AJ openly admitted that? Well, I was, you know, <clears throat> there's only a handful of players who can really, you know, have the, the, the power to say that without there being repercussions for it. Listen, they just mm -hmm. signed him to a four-year, $100 million deal. You know, Nick Sirianni may have some words with him about it, but, you know, it, it won't be of any real consequence, the fact that, you know, he admitted that. I think sometimes, you know, as a, as a coach, as a head coach, as a coordinator, um, you have to take the temperature of the situation, you know, there's not a single player that believes that, you know, on fourth down, if we go for it, we can't convert it. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure A.J. Brown thought, hey, just throw me that patented slant. You know, I'll stick him outside and run the slant down inside. We'll keep the drive alive. But I give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit for being able to take the temperature of the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, the Chiefs were, you know, really had momentum on their side. And – if you don't take the three points there, you know, then you're in a situation. If you don't make it now, you're down, um, you're down 11 points instead of, 
you know, eight points with a chance to, you know, mm-hmm. tie it up at the end. Um, if you don't make, you know, if you don't convert, you know, then you give, you know, a, a, an offense that's already already has momentum on their side, the ball in a situation where they've got a short field. So I'm not upset with the with the decision. Um, I just, you know, I believe the analytics plays a part, but I don't mm-hmm. believe analytics plays a part to the point, you know, to the extent that everybody else does. Oh, if we go for it here and we convert, mm-hmm. you know, the percentages of, of us winning the game go up 20%. No, uh-uh, because anything can happen. Anything can happen. You know, you, you could you you might go three more plays and be in a similar situation. Now you're in third and 12. Do you go for it in third and 12, or do you kick the field goal, you know? Mm-hmm. So in a game like they were in, points were of a premium. And I'm not upset with Nick Sirianni one iota for taking the points. I still have a problem swallowing the word analytics in a lot of ways. And I know a lot of teams rely on analytics. I'm old school. I I love the coaches who said they had a feel for the situation down in distance. Do you think sometimes coaches rely too much on that analytics stuff? Well, see, I think it's seeped in the game to the point, you know, and a lot of there's going to be people who don't agree with me and then there's going to yeah. be some people that flat out you know hate it's going to hate what i'm about to say yeah i think the analytics have, cre- have crept so far into the game that they control more of the decision making than the coaches actually do okay. um i think analytics has been a way um for the computer geeks if you will those who really don't understand football you know in at its grassroots level the essence of the game it allows them the numbers, the probabilities, and you know artificial intelligence now to say, to have a say in a game that they previously couldn't even step into. Um, when you have a an analytics department that's set aside, that all they do is just feed information, and then on game day, mm-hmm. the analytics guy is in the head coach's ear, advising him like the head coach don't have enough on his plate or in the head coach who's calling the plays ears and he's giving him the percentages and the probabilities. I'm, 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 I'm like you D gun. Yeah. I don't buy into that because I think that every situation is different. And I believe that, you know, um, there's a a point in time in every game where you gotta, you gotta go with what's in your gut. You gotta go with what you feel is right. There are times where you should go for it. And there's times where you shouldn't. The Philadelphia Eagles is just a great offense this year, which allowed them to convert a lot more fourth downs than the than the average team across the National Football League. They probably have more fourth and ones, fourth and shorts, fourth mm-hmm. and inches. They probably inflated, you know, that number. Um, but when you get to fourth and four or more, you know, the probabilities of you, you know, converting that go down exponentially, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, I'm going to play off a word you said a few moments ago, collapse. I don't think this was a collapse by the Eagles as a whole because they did march down the field with a little over five minutes left in the game. They punched it in, got the two-point conversion. The game's tied at 35. But I do think this was a collapse by the defense. Mm -hmm. And with that said, how much of that collapse falls on the shoulders of Jonathan Gannon and how much of it falls on the players themselves executing? Wow, that's an interesting question because, you know, after the game was over in the midst of um, the emotions of my analyst, my mm-hmm. my my analysis, I should say, mm-hmm. um, I threw the blame squarely on Jonathan Gannon. You know, I felt like he didn't do enough. He didn't adjust enough, um, you know, to put the players in the best position to succeed, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what you say about what the offense does, it is every defense's job to keep the opposing offense out of the end zone. I don't care if they run it back to the five, you got the hole and make them kick a field goal. Yeah. You know, you got to figure out how to turn the ball over. It's, that's your job. Your number one job is to keep the opposing team out of the end zone. But D-Gun, the more and more I look at the film, man, the more and more I realize that, you know, the Eagles personnel, the Eagles players on defense, they picked the most important game of the year to have their worst outing of the year. Mm. 
all you can look at it all up and down the line. It was a confluence of, you know, missed assignments, mistakes, um, you know, fundamental and technical issues, um, blown assignments, you know, and while you might not like the, you know, the passive nature of the calls and how Jonathan Gannon deployed his players, you still, as a football team, have to go out and execute. You know, I mean, I've been on plenty of, I've been in plenty of situations where a defensive call came in and we all looked at each other in the huddle and was like, what the hell did he just call? You know, (laughs) and then, you know, you snap back and you realize that no matter what he calls, Mm -hmm. we got to execute. We got to find a way to get a stop. We got to figure out a way to turn that bad call into a positive, you know, and the Eagles could not do that from a personnel standpoint. And then you throw on the you throw on top of it the fact that you know Jonathan Gannon could not adjust and take away the things that they showed them on a continuous basis. You know, I, I think it's a mixture of both. You know, on Sunday night, I would have said seventy five percent Jonathan Gannon, twenty five percent the players. After watching the game again, fifty fifty. Okay, okay. You know, as much as it pains us right now, those of us who are Philadelphia Eagle fans, we have to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Can can the criticism stop of this Andy Reid stuff is not a good coach? Andy Reid has proven he is a great coach. What more does this man have to prove, Seth? Well, hey, listen, this is Philadelphia, man. And, you know, we're, we're the people in Philadelphia who don't like Andy, they're pissed off because Andy left here and went to Kansas City and won two Super Bowls, you know, and had – a great team with Donovan McNabb and B Doc and all those guys and went to five NFC championships and only got the one Super Bowl and lost that one. So no matter what Andy does in the eyes of some people, um, they will never be able to forgive him for that Mm -hmm. because they look at it now like, you know, why the hell couldn't you do that while you was here? Mm -hmm. You know, so that's understandable. But to look at him and view him as anything other than a great coach um, is nonsensical. You know, Donovan Donovan McNabb's numbers speak for themselves, okay? His success with less at wide receiver speaks for itself. And you can attribute that to Andy Reid. Patrick Mahomes is in the upper echelon of quarterbacks almost in the history of the game after five years with, you know, two Super Bowl champions, two uh, Super Bowl MVP trophies, and two MVP trophies in five years, you know? Now, some of that is Patrick Mahomes is just a bad dude. But a lot of that, too, is the position that Andy Reid puts him in Mm -hmm. and allows him to use his talent, his intellect, and his athleticism to be the great quarterback that he is. You know, speaking of Mahomes, he didn't put up the wow numbers in this game, but he was very efficient. As we sit here right now, Seth, I still can't get over the fact that this man completed 74% of his passes overall. 93% of his passes in the second half. He was 13 of 14, and the one pass he didn't complete was a throwaway. You just talked about the accolades he's already garnered at 27 years old, five years in the league, two Super Bowl trophies, two Super Bowl MVPs, uh, two league MVPs. Right now, is Patrick Mahomes head and shoulders better than every quarterback in the National Football League? Well, I I think there's no doubt that that's the case. Um, you know, his track record says that he is, you know, and, you know, the other thing you're forgetting is that he went to a Super Bowl, you know, and lost one yep. with a line that couldn't protect him. Um, and the fact that he was just a little bit gimpy in that game as well. So uh, when you put all of that stuff together, you know, listen, there's no doubt, you know, he's, if you took a poll, he'd be the number one player in the National mm-hmm. Football League right now. Um, you know, no matter what, anybody says or you know how anyone wants to minimize that that's just a fact um Jalen Hurts minus the fumble I think had his best game of the season mm-hmm. on the biggest of all stages how far do you think he's away from Patrick Mahomes level well listen I, I don't know that I, I don't know that Jalen will ever be you know Patrick Mahomes like I, I think you know, they're two different quarterbacks. They're playing um, in two different styles of offense. 
You know, they they don't ask Patrick Mahomes to do all the things that, you know, that they ask Jalen Hurts to do. Um, I think that Jalen Hurts' upside is still massive, you know, where you, know, you have to ask yourself, how much better can Patrick Mahomes actually get? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it. You know, he, he had a group of wide receivers that were, you know, castoffs. Um, and the number one tight end in the National Football League, and he beat you with that. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't really beat us with, you know, the passing game. I think that he beat us with a balanced attack. And most people, you know, will look at Andy Reid and be like, what? But, yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at their adjustment, their adjustment after halftime is to come out and establish the run. And they just ran the ball that first series. They ran the ball right down the Eagles' throat. They had no answer for the run game. And then what happened is they turned around and that established established run allowed them to pass the ball with much more efficiency. Mm -hmm. I mean, Patrick Mahomes only threw the ball for 90 yards in the second half, D-Gun. That's right. But he he threw for three touchdown passes, (laughs) you know. So the balance – of the run game more than anything is what did the Eagles in. They had no, they, they've been in, in their five man front. They have been able to rectify their running issues. The second half of the season Sunday in the Super Bowl, they look as bad against the run in that game as they look all the last year when they were one of the worst run defenses in the national football league. Mm. They had no, no answer whatsoever. Uh, for what Kansas City was doing. Kansas City made sure that they got the numbers where they need to have the numbers. They had man on blocking. Guys weren't getting off the blocks. You know, T.J. Edwards probably had his worst game ever um, as an eagle. He looked lost all day. He looked like he didn't know where the ball was going. And someone asked me about that, you know, on Twitter just the other day. And I said, you know, when players look lost, you know, to me that's a preparation thing because – you know, either Kansas City did something, they came out in an offense that was so different than anything that they saw on film, or the Philadelphia Eagles was not as prepared as they needed to be. Now, if Andy Reid can go all the way back to the Jacksonville Jaguars game and find a play in that game and implement it in the Super Bowl some 10, 12 weeks weeks ago, then that tells me that they outprepared the Philadelphia Eagles defense because the mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles had no answer for it. You know, they had no answer for it. Or they, A, didn't address it way back against, you know, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, nor did they dr- address it the first time after Darius Slay got beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, the conversation had to be had on the sideline. Okay, when they give us the two-by-two two and they cut down, the outside guys off the ball, we expect in the motion. Okay, how are we going to handle it? The DB should have been talking. Denard Avery and, you know, the defensive backs coach should have been talking. And Jonathan Gannon should have been having a conversation. There's no way in hell that you can tell me three minutes later on the next possession, you get beat with the same play on the mm-hmm. other side of the field. And that tells me that you didn't make any adjustment to that one play because mm-hmm. maybe you believe that you are not going to be in that situation again. You know, you heard – Nick Sirianni talk about not trying to overcomplicate things, you know, leading up to the Super Bowl, you know. So what did you do? You probably came into the game doing all the same things you've been doing all year long because you didn't want to overcomplicate it. And that meant that if you didn't want to overcomplicate it by implementing some different and some new things that the Chiefs hadn't saw you do defensively, then that meant that you were underprepared in that game. This is a game that's going to be painful for Eagles fans for a well, long time to come. And well, no matter what happens in the future, there will always be reference to this game and how it was right there for the taking, and they let it slip through their fingers. Now, as we, we look ahead into the immediate future, there's a lot of big financial decisions this team has to make. We know Jalen Hurts is going to get his money sometime this year. But beyond that, there are something like 20 potential free agents on this team. And I want to start with the defense. Names like Bradbury, C.J., Graham, White, Edwards, Epps, Cox, Hargraves, all looking to get paid. Now, Graham has already said he will take a home discount because he wants to finish out his career here. Bradbury has already come out and said, I'm not playing for cheap. 
and rightfully so because he had an outstanding season. Now, if you're in the money-making decision uh, chair, Seth, of this organization, who would you put as your priorities that you want to bring back here? Not to say it's going to happen, but if you had your way and it was a perfect world, who do you want to bring back with this team? Listen, C.J. Gardner-Johnson cannot leave the building. I agree. Plain and simple. I mean, he's the number one guy on the defensive side of the ball that you can't have leave the building. Um, you know, the Eagles have the 10th and the 31st overall pick in the first round this year. Um, in my opinion, one of those picks has to be a bona fide starting cornerback. Yes. Um, on a rookie deal that you compare with Darius Slay. You know, I love James Bradbury. Would love nothing more to have him come back. But his statement alone means that, you know, you're out of the market for him unless he shops himself and doesn't get the number that he's looking for and he comes back in the number that you would potentially slot him for mm -hmm. and then you bring him back. Even at that, I still believe that you go out and you, you got to draft that next shutdown guy that can play on the other side. Um, you know, Darius Slay is already 30 years old um, to a lot of people. Um, his, his play fell off this year. Mm -hmm. But I would tell you, you know, I, I have it on, on, on good sources that he hasn't been 100% since the middle of the year. He's been dealing with, you know, a little bit of a knee injury. Okay. And that's, you know, that affects the way, you know, you play the position of quarterback when you're stopping and going and changing directions and having to cut. Mm -hmm. um, so I would expect for him to come back next year and be the Darius Slay, you know, that we that we know him to be. Um, wow. You know, as much as I love T.J. Edwards, D-Gun, and I know as much as they love him, um, listen, he's a tackling machine. And that's all he gives you is being a tackling machine. And I don't know when being a tackling machine as a linebacker in the NFL got to a point where we, oh, he's a great player, you know, He's really ascended. Yeah. That's your damn job is to make tackles, man. And as the linebacker, as the hybrid between the offense, the defensive lineman and the secondary, you right. should be leading the team. I if my if my linebackers aren't leading the team in tackles, then we got a problem. Yeah. We got a problem. Yeah. But that's all he gives you is tackling. You know, he I, I don't think he has maybe has one sack this year, no interceptions. I don't think any calls are recovered from him. You know. As, as good as he's been this year, they need better at the linebacker position. Because mm. White is another guy. You know, after watching him in the first preseason game, I said, man, that guy's going to be a pro bowler. He just disappeared second half of the season, you know. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, signs a one-year deal had a good year, you know, with the Chargers, but gave you absolutely nothing. I mm. thought that he would be the linebacker that would give you relief on the back end right. by allowing him to line up on tight ends and take tight ends away. Early in the season, he was able to do that. But as the season progressed, he became a passing liability as much as T.J. Edwards is one, mm. you know. Um, so – there's still work that has to be done there. I don't know. Is N'Kobe Dean, you know, the answer? You know, I'm sure he's going to get his chance to be the guy next year. To me, he looks a little small. Um, I don't know how he's going to hold up in the run game. He's really good from sideline to sideline. He's another guy that gives you a lot of tackles. That's great. But, you know, as the game has evolved and you've gone from, from basically three or four linebackers to – or, 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 you know, you basically put yourself in a position where you're basically a 4-2. Mm -hmm. And if at least one of your linebackers aren't massive playmakers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If they're not straight up hell raisers, guys that can drop in, in the zone and, and read patterns and be able to break on balls and get your hands on balls and intercept balls, you know, give you two or three interceptions in a season. A guy that can come downhill and blitz and beat a block. You know, if you don't have one of those, um, you got problems. Because if you look at all the good defenses, I mean, look at Nick Bolton all over the field on Super Bowl Sunday, all over the field. You know, that's the kind of guy that we need, not a guy who's just a tackling machine. Mm. And you rely on the defensive front to just do everything. Look at the 49ers defense, Fred Warner, Greenlaw. These guys are playmakers, man. And that's what the Eagles have not had. In my opinion, they haven't had one of those guys since William Thomas. Wow. So wow. Said, and, and and they've had some good linebackers, you know. I mean, Jeremiah Trotter, to me, is the best linebacker that they've had since William Thomas. But Jeremiah, you know, and I'm, it's not a knock against him. He wasn't giving you sacks and interceptions and that kind of stuff. But he was a great linebacker. Yeah. But they need that playmaker at that level, okay? you got to have a guy on every single level, in my opinion. C.J. Garner-Johnson would be the guy. you got Hassan Reddick on the, on the bottom level. And even though he's listed as a linebacker, D-Gun, he is a defensive end. They need to stop this nonsense about outside linebackers in the, in the, in the, in the 30 front. Yeah. He's not a linebacker. They drop him every once in a while, but you don't ask him to cover anybody out of the backfield. You don't ask him to play off the ball. He's not a linebacker. He's a defensive end. They need to go and get a guy on the second tier to be a playmaker. Okay, let, let's flip it over to the offensive side. I've gone on record several, several times already and said, Miles Sanders, phenomenal season, best season as a professional running back. He's gone. Would you agree or disagree with that? I agree, but before we get over there on the offense, let's talk yes. about those guys on the front. You okay. Know, okay. I'm glad to hear Brandon Graham's willing to take a discount to come back. Um, Fletcher Cox, yeah, maybe even Javon Hargrave, yep, gone. You know, okay. and I'm okay with that. I mean, it, it, I think with Javon Hargrave, you give him the opportunity to go out and shop himself, and if he doesn't get the number he wants, come back and try to get him. You know, at a lesser number. Um, but when I look at him, he's another one of those guys <clears throat> who wants to rush the passer. You can look at his stance and tell every time he lines up, he lines up in a sprinting stance. Right. Like, dude, get your feet shoulder width apart so you can react and hold the point. You know, you're not holding the point because you got in the sprinter stance and the first thing you do is stand up. So anytime you get double team, they're pushing your big behind off the ball, mm -hmm. you know, um, but the reason why they had to go and get Ndamukan Sue and Linville Joseph is because he doesn't really want to play the run. He wants okay. to be a pass rusher. Okay. And you need more out of that position. Um, Jordan Davis, he got to get down to 320, 330, man. And he needs to go get a jump rope and a ladder and work on his feet because if he can't <laughs> – I'm, I'm telling you right now because if D-Gun, if he can't rush the passer, 
that's a wasted draft pick if he's only a first and second down player, knowing that Fletcher Cox is out the door and potentially Javon Hargrave is out the door. Well, see, Seth, I'm glad you said that because if Cox and Hargrave both leave, and there's a good possibility both could leave, you are putting the, the future of the trench warfare for this defense in the hands of Milton Williams and Jordan Davis. And as as much as we had high expectations for Jordan Davis in his rookie campaign, I still don't know what he is or is not because he lost so much playing time due to a concussion and a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, he's he's got to start. In 2023, he has to start. But I have question marks about what he can, cannot do, what he is or what he is not. He's got to start, D, and I'm not talking about start and play 25% of the play. Yes. He's got to be a 60% a 60%, 60 to 65% guy in order for that draft pick to make sense and okay. for, the, for the defensive line to be effective. And he's got to be a pass rusher. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. If he can't rush the passer, then you took him too high. Now, if Fletcher and Javon were coming back and they were still what they were from a pass rushing standpoint, you wouldn't have to worry about that. Right. But if they're going to walk out of the door now, okay, who you who, who else are you going to get that can get up the field and create havoc in the pass game? You mm. have nobody. You know, Milton Williams is going to have to step up. You're going into your third year. Time for you to rise up and be the, be that guy. Mm. Um, but because we haven't seen it on a consistent basis, we're kind of like, well, I don't know. We don't know how it's all going to play out. Mm. Um, but I'm going to give Howie the benefit of the doubt. He always finds a way. Yep. He always finds a way. So right. you, want, you want to talk about uh, Miles Sanders. Is he you know, gone? Miles Sanders had a hell of a year this year. Yes, he did. And, I, and he needed to have it um, for his, you know, because his contract was up. But what we saw out of Miles Sanders in the Super Bowl was a reversion to what he was his first two years, and I found it troubling. First play of the game, they hand the ball off to him. He hits, you know, up inside. It gets kind of jammed up a little bit, and the first thing he wanted to do was bounce it outside. You don't bounce the ball against fast defenses. If he would have just cut that ball back, you know, to the inside, he probably would have still – he probably would have picked up at least a first down. If not – He'd have been still running, yeah. You know, but his propensity and tight, um, um, pressurized moments. You know, the old adage that you know, under pressure, we revert back to what we're most familiar with. Mm-hmm. He's familiar with trying to bounce it in college. You could get away with that. You cannot get away with that in the National Football League. The, the, the game is just too fast. And then on top of it, he fumbles the ball out of bounds and loses a yard. You know, so. Kenneth Gainwell came on and they gave him a lot more responsibility. I'm not so sure that Kenneth Gainwell, you know, can be, you know, a 50% guy, you know, as, as the main guy. Um, But he showed a lot of promise. I think that the Eagles allow Miles Sanders to shop himself. And if there's an opportunity to bring him back, you know, on a substantially lot less money than, you know, what he's asking for, then you bring him back. But um, I get the sense that the way they pushed Kenneth Gainwell, even how they pushed him in front of Boston Scott, because yeah. I felt like Boston Scott at times had been a lot more, you know, effective, mm-hmm. you know, than Kenneth Gainwell. But they kept pushing him and pushing him. And then he finally began to to answer the call. And as he began to answer the call because, you know, he was drafted where he was drafted – you know, that benefited him because they really want him to play. They really wanted him to play a lot last year, but he couldn't pick up, you know, blitz the the blitzes. He couldn't pick up protections. And now that he's kind of figured that all out, I think that he makes Miles Sanders dispensable. Ooh, okay. I agree with you there. Um, Offensive line, Isaac Sayamalu and Andre Dillard. Do the Eagles lose both of them? Um, A lot depends on – I'll say this. A lot depends on Jason Kelsey, okay? If Jason Kelsey makes a decision to come back, you know, I'm sure it'll be at a discount, but it's not going to be as much discounted, you know. It's not going to be like him walking out and that salary being wiped off the books, okay? you know. Um, If he comes back, then I think they both are gone. I think if Jason decides to come back – Maybe, you know, you think about, 
Well, if he decides backwards, if he leaves, mm -hmm. then I think you have the flexibility to bring Isaac Sayamalo back. Okay. I think Andre Dillard has been a massive disappointment. You know, he can't play on the right side. He can play, you know, some guard on either side, but he can't play right tackle. And if he can't play right tackle, um, then they've got to figure out a way to bring in enough versatility on the offensive line. Um, short story short, I think they keep one or the other. And I think it all depends on Jason Kelsey. If Jason Kelsey retires, they bring back Sayamalo. If Jason Kelsey decides to come back because Andre Dillard hasn't been that proficient mm -hmm. so far, that you can probably get him on the cheap. Because if, if, trust me, if Howie Roseman could have moved him, yeah. he would have moved him already. He would have got something for him. Well, if, if losing the Super Bowl wasn't bad enough, now Nick Sirianni's losing coaching staff left and right. All right, Shane Steichen's moving on to Indianapolis. Can he turn the Colts around? <laughs> I don't think anybody. <laughs> I like how you laugh. <laughs> I am, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know that anybody can turn him around. Listen, if if they're gonna give him three to five years to fix it, yeah, and then go into this year's draft and find their quarterback of the future. I say, you know, they, they got a chance. They're going to have to go through the growing pains the same way that Mike Mike Tomlin decided to go through the growing pains yeah. um, with Kenny Pickett this year. He was like, hey, we're done with all of these fix them guys. If we pick this guy to be our future, then we're going to ride him and let him grow, you know, as, you know, throughout his rookie season. I think that's what Indianapolis needs to do. Um, mm. The problem is you got Jonathan Taylor sitting there in his prime. Um, you got some pretty good wide receivers. And on top of that, you know, when Darius Leonard is 100% healthy and that defense is healthy, the defense is pretty good. So now yeah. you're going to have to figure out what's more important. Do I let these prime years for these guys wither away or do I go and get another veteran and bring him in and draft our quarterback of the future, see how it goes, and if things go south again, just put the rookie in and let him go. You know, so I, I don't know. I, that That's a tall order because they haven't been able to figure that out, that out ever since, you know, Andrew Luck said, I'm done. Um, so we'll, it, it's going to be interesting to watch and see, man. Well, is Brian Johnson the obvious choice to replace Steichen? I mean, Brian Johnson was coached by Jalen Hurts' dad. Brian Johnson has known Jalen Hurts since he was four years old. We hear all these stories about Brian Johnson being the next great coach in the National Football League. Is it a slam dunk that he should be elevated to the role that, that Steichen departed from? Interesting, because, you know, Shane Steichen's only been in the system, you know, two years. Yep. Um, you know, Brian Johnson's been in the system two years. Um, Shane Steichen had some experience, you know, being a play caller. Brian Johnson hasn't. Um so the question is, is he really ready and equipped to be the play caller? Because it's one thing being a quarterback coach and having a relationship that allows, that bridges that gap for, for Jalen Hurts. Yep. It's a whole nother thing when you're talking about game plan and putting together a game plan. You know, is he going to be the offensive coordinator in name and Nick Sirianni is going to reassume, you know, calling plays next year? or you're going to give him the offensive coordinator position and he's going to call the plays. Um, I would probably lean more towards him being named OC in name and having some kind of collaboration with Nick, but Nick is actually calling the plays again. And then maybe mm -hmm. after next season, like he did with Shane Steichen, you can give him, you know, those responsibilities. Uh, but I find it hard to believe that, you know, Nick is going to allow him to come in and call plays this year, this coming year, after not necessarily having um, called plays ever before. Well, on the other side, everybody's favorite coach who had such a, a disappointing <laughs> showing uh, defensively, Jonathan Gannon, gets the Arizona job. Did the Cardinals make the right move hiring him? They're another organization that's a hot mess. You know, <laughs> I've watched them year after year after year make make mistakes in, in hirings. Um, my buddy in Arizona texts me. He's like, hey, man, we got your defense coordinator. I was like, congratulations, you can have him. You know, <laughs> um, and, and I said, you know, not really tongue-in-cheek. I mean, everybody knows I'm not a Gannon fan. Yeah. Um, 
I, I told him, I said, be ready in two or three years, you know, for another one, you know, oh, but I, I don't know, man. I, everyone's looking for the young, the new young head coach, Yep. you know, and I'm not so sure that that's really the way to go. Um, you know, McVay's had the success because, you know, they mortgaged mm -hmm. their entire future to win the Super Bowl. So if you got the horses and you got everything that you need, kind of hard to screw that up. But when you're talking about building a, a team that's down in the dumps, a team that's not, you know, this historically been a bad football team, you also got to think about the fact that Jonathan Gannon has to deal with a young prima donna quarterback yes. in Kyler Murray. How are you going to deal with that? You know, it, it's crazy, as crazy as it sounds, a guy like a guy like Sean Payton would have been more beneficial for a guy like Kyler Murray than a Jonathan Gannon. Mm -hmm. Because emotional intelligence is not a thing that works with Kyler Murray. He needs um, an authoritative coach that says, this is how we're going to run it. This is how we're going to do it. So on and so forth. You know, the, the, when, you, when the rumors surface, as much as they've surfaced on him, and the yeah. talk is what has been on him, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. It might not all be 100% true, but a lot of it, you know, is true. And he's going to have to grow up as a person and as a leader on that football team in order for them to get to where they need to. But listen, he's strong on their, the organization into a new contract. Mm -hmm. You know, the head coach and the GM got a new contract. They both got fired. They're going to get both get paid for the next four years. Yep. And he's still going to be walking around there like, you know, He's the cat's meow. He hasn't really done anything. And he's got about the balls because, you know, they just paid him. Mm. So what kind of guy do you look for to come in here as a defensive coordinator? If you could if you could pick, what kind of what kind of DC do you want to come in here and replace Gannon? Hey, you you know what I'm talking about, man. I'm talking about a guy who's gonna come I, I gotta here. hear it though. I gotta hear but, Seth say it. Listen, I, it, it's it's really interesting because I, I'll tell you what I want after I tell you what I think is gonna happen. It's really interesting. I've been listening to Ike Reese the last two days on WIP, right. and he brought up such a valid point. He said, listen, man, Nick Sirianni chose Jonathan Gannon, and Nick Sirianni has been quoted as saying, that's the kind of defense that I want my defense coordinator to run, and he has uh, defended it. Oh, as, and, and he has defended it. So if Nick's the head coach, it ain't like he's going to get Rex Ryan to come in here and start blitzing all over the place. That ain't going to happen if that's not the, the, the type of coach that he wants. You know, again, let me clear the air on my opinion. Yeah. I played for Buddy Ryan, who was over the top with the blitz. Yeah. But then I spent three years under Bud Carson, you know, who was controlled and how he blitzed. And I think that there's a there's an argument to be made for a fine line between the two. Right. There's nothing wrong with, you know, not wanting to give up the big play. Right, but right. Nothing risk is nothing gained. You can't sit back and let a team just nick you to death and get down the field and score anyway. And granted, the Eagles are one of the best defenses in the National Football League in red zone defense this year. Right. But when you look at the game that really mattered, you know, Patrick Mahomes was damn near 100% in the red zone on Sunday night. So at some point in time, and like I said, I'm not I'm not an advocate for just, you know, blitzing 45 percent of the times like a Wink Martindale. No. Yep. OK, but I am in, in 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 support of a defensive coordinator that can, again, evaluate the situation and the circumstances and look at a time in a game and realize that pressure is needed. We sat together and watched the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, and I can remember a third down, a third and eight, a third and nine. And I said, D-Gun, Steve Spagnuolo's coming after him. Mm -hmm. And they came after him on that play. That's right. And they chased him out to the left side, forcing him to throw the ball away. Now, why would I say that? I'm not saying that just because I want to be overly aggressive. I'm looking at the circumstances. They cannot allow Jalen Hurts to stand in that pocket and complete that third down and keep that drive alive the, the, the way that they've been playing all day long. Right. 
So the only way you speed up the clock and speed up the play and not allow the play to develop the way you want to is to bring pressure. So there are certain times and situations in the game where not only do you need to bring pressure, but you got to tell your cornerbacks, you know, like, like down on the goal line, those two touchdown passes. We ain't playing, you know, blitz coverage from off five yards off and the damn goal line is a yard behind me. Hell no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up and press, you know, and the communication has to happen. That guy wants to go in short motion, 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 motion. The guy in the slot, he's going to bump down, okay, so that when they run that route, I'm still yep. sitting outside, and he can react back and take the slot guy, and I can stop that play from happening, you know, where they're just walking in the end zone. Now, And my blitz is coming, so now with my blitz coming, I got the quarterback contained. I got the free hitter that's coming. Now Patrick Mahomes got to make a play. He either got to make a play or he got to throw it away. But I'm speeding everything up. So when people think that I'm talking about blitzing every damn down, you know, coming 40, 50% of the time, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's a time in every game, there's a situation in every game where you must bring pressure and you can't be afraid to call it and your players can't be afraid of you calling it either. Mm. Wow. And that says it in a nutshell. Well, as we look at this team as a whole, Seth, the offense for the most part is intact, minus a few mm-hmm. pieces to the equation. Major decisions coming up on this defense. When Wait, a we take, huh? Wait a minute. What? It's intact. Quez Watkins got to go. Well, I'm sorry, man. He got to go. Uh, yo, he we've done. been talking about that on our show. Sports take a lot, man. I, I've seen enough of Quez. I'm sorry. I'm over it. Way over it. Way over it, you know. You don't want to give him another chance? No. Either, <laughs> either D-Gun, either, either he's disinterested in the game of football or he's so disinterested because he's so low on the totem pole of options, you know, that he's not ready when his number's called. And mm. Nick Sirianni told him at the beginning of the year, A.J. Brown's going to be number one. Devontae Smith's going to be number two. Dallas Scott is going to be number three. The running back out of the backfield might be the fourth option. So when you get your chance, you got to be ready to make a play. Okay. And I've watched him not make plays all year long. And I may watch him drop a ball that could have been the difference in that football game. He didn't even have to die for that ball. No, all he, he had to do was just hit another gear and just go get it. And he's going to run into the end zone with that damn football. And then the, the, the one thing I hate to see, is when a guy drops the ball or doesn't make a play, he gets up and does this. Man, yeah, I, I don't want that guy on my team. Ooh. I don't want that guy on my team. I'm sorry. I've I seen enough, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles in the second round drafted a wide receiver, a guy, a 4-3 guy, you know, that can stretch the field because they need that, a guy who with sure hands, they can make those plays when they need to make those plays. And I tell you, they don't even trust Quest to the point where, where, where they'll throw him the ball down the field. Mm. AJ Brown looks like AJ Brown looks like a four-six guy or a high four-five guy. Okay. They throw more goal balls to him this year than they have Quest. And Quest is supposed to be the deep guy. He's the guy that runs four three. You want to know why they don't throw it to him? Because they don't trust him. And if they don't trust him, get his ass out of here. I'm done. Well, well, do you trust the fact that as we look at this Eagles team offensively, for the most part intact, a lot of questions on defense, but even with that said, when you stack this team up right now against the rest of the NFC, and we look at how the NFC had played, and we know a lot of teams are going to try to make changes to get better, are you confident in this Eagles team that has to find an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, maybe a lot of new pieces on defense, but you still have that franchise quarterback, the wide receivers, an offensive line is pretty good offensive line that they're not just going to be a playoff team, but a play a, a team capable of going deep into the playoffs again. D I'm not worried about the offense, okay. you know, going into the super bowl um, throughout the regular season, you combine the, um, the postseason scoring, the yep. Eagles were tied with the Kansas city chiefs at 28.7, you know, points per game. Yep. That's pretty darn good. Yep. You're talking about making a defense's life easy when you can put points up like that. That's pretty darn good. Um, the defense is what worries me 
I think that the Eagles can score on any defense, on any defense in this in this division. They won't have a problem with the Giants. They won't have a problem with the Redskins. I mean, the Commanders, excuse me, <laughs> even though you're going to get Chase Young back full strength by next year. Right. I, I still don't think that those teams will pose a problem for the Eagles. Um, the issue is going to be what they look like on the defensive side of the ball. And can they duplicate, you know, 75% of how good they were um, this year, next year. Listen, 70 sacks is an anomaly, man. Yes. I mean, it's a major anomaly. They'd be happy with 50 sacks next year. Um, so if, if, if the intent is to promote from within and then you turn around and you lose all of these pieces and all you really have is Hassan Reddick as a bona fide, you know, pass rusher, even though you had – three other guys with double digits, you know, two of those guys potentially, you know, are going to be gone. Um, and one guy may be back, you know, depending on, you know, what kind of offer he gets, he wants to finish here. Um, if you can get the 50 sacks, that's going to be phenomenal. But with all you're going to lose, you know, and down in the interior of the defensive line, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to handle the run? Right, right. How how you gonna handle Saquon? How you gonna handle a healthy Tony Pollard? How you gonna handle you know the the two guys in 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 Washington who, when healthy, you know, can give you fits? Mm-hmm. Um, the Eagles they have to refocus. And I've heard people say that Jonathan Gannon, you know, they on defense they were okay giving up a little more in the passing in the running game to be more proficient in the running game. Um, I beg to differ. Mm. I think that, you know, in order to get after the passer, you got to earn the right to, and the way you earn the right to is by getting a run game under control. 121 yards rushing in the National Football League per game is too much, especially, you know, if a team is committed to running it. Now, the balance is, you know, the Eagles offense was so prolific that when you're scoring 28 points a game, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to play against teams because more times than not, teams are going to be down. And if they're down, they don't have to run the football. Right. You know, they, well, or, well, they can't run the football. They have to throw the football in order to get back in the game. But when all things are equal, zero to zero, seven to 10, seven to seven, still early, they're going to pound the ball, man. And if Kansas City could run the ball, which wasn't a very good running team statistically this year, if they can run the ball the way they ran it on this defense, you think that's not going to be everybody's game plan coming in? Let's control the clock, keep Jalen Hurts off the field. Let's run the ball to control the time of possession, and then let's go play action pass off of. Mm. Well, he is a Super Bowl champion. He is a former Eagles great. He is an Eagles Hall of Famer. He is a fixture in the Philadelphia region on radio, TV, and the Jacob Media YouTube channel. He is my colleague, but more importantly, he is my friend, Seth Joyner. Hey, man, thank you for all this insight that you've given me. And more importantly, thank you for letting me sit next to you all season long and talk football with you, man. It was my treat in 2022-2023. My brother, you know I love you, man. We had a great time this year. It was a hell of a year. I'm looking forward to – I'm looking for some vacation, but I'm also looking forward to being back with you, God willing, next year, my man. I hope so, man. Keep your fingers crossed, brother. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this edition of Gun on One. It is powered by the Jacob uh, YouTube channel. For my man, Seth Joyner, I'm Derek Gunn. Hey, everybody, stay blessed. More importantly, no matter who you encounter, be a blessing to each and every person that you may encounter in your daily life. Until next time. I'm Derek Gunn. So long, everybody. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.